Hey everyone, this is Ben Chapman. Thank you for listening to Luminous Church Podcast. It's always an honor that you would take time out of your day to listen to us. We hope that you would see Jesus more clearly today and that you would also be inspired to make a difference wherever you find yourself. Enjoy today's sermon and God bless you. Well, you can be seated. Wow, we are so excited. A lot of our team are on the other side with a group that just came from Dallas to do some training because we're going to go out again um, after lunch at like 1.30. So if anyone wants to join us, we will train you on the fast track and you'll be, you'll be good to go. But uh, while we were doing a debrief yesterday um, afternoon, hearing all the cool stories about what God did, some of which you're going to get to hear in a few minutes, I was sitting like right on that row, and as people were sharing, I just was captivated by those words, win the city. And I was like, wow, I have found my home. Win the city. What does that mean? That means finish the task. Wow, God is doing amazing things in this generation. And I'm going to tell you about some of them that are happening around the world. But we live in a unique season. And that's what motivates us as a church, too. We are part of the Antioch movement that is trying to reach the unreached people groups of the world. That's our focus. And so that led us this last summer to go to Southeast Asia, to one of the islands there where they have some of the most unreached people groups around the world. And so we were uh, doing this outreach, kind of like what we just did um, over the weekend here. We, we just got together. We did some training. We went out with um, native speakers who were, who were believers. And we picked an area that was like this huge, if you can imagine, like the size of a football field almost in the middle of the city, of which there's millions of people. And they have six days of work and then one day off. So one day off, everyone's off. And they come to this place and they just do crazy things like you'll see people playing basketball and, and just uh, volleyball and they'll be walking and they'll be jogging. You'll see like a, several hundred people doing yoga on like this little, little hillside. And so we would take our team, we would get together, we'd split up into translator and a, a small team. I got paired with a guy, it was just him and me. And so our kind of our MO was we'd go out and we'd start praying just like we did yesterday for open heavens, for open hearts, for God to just narrow the field of all these thousands of people were walking by to highlight for us the one we're supposed to talk to. And so we had this little like game where I'd say, okay, you start praying, I'll start praying. And after a while, we'd be walking and I'd go, so, hey, is somebody, is somebody being highlighted for you? Is God highlighting somebody? And he'd look at me and say, hey, dude, is somebody being highlighted for you? And I'm like, yes. And he'd go, yes. So then I go, well, you share first to see if there's this convergence. And sure enough, we both had felt drawn to this guy that was like pretty far from us, like about halfway, maybe three-quarters of the length of a football field out in the distance. And so we head out to him. We start talking to him. And um, my, my custom after introducing, like, hey, I'm from America, visiting your country, trying to learn about you and the country. Can I ask you a question? And he says, like, sure. So I ask him, if God were to do a miracle for you right now, what would it be? And can I pray for you? And he kind of looks at me like, wow, that's a big question. So I said, well, if something were to change in your life, what would, what would that be? It would be really good. And so he pointed to his shoulder, and through the translator, he, he started to raise his arm, and then he winced when he got to, like, here, and he said, I, I hurt my shoulder. I said, well, well, my God sent Jesus to heal people, and he told us to pray in his name over the sick and over those that were hurting, and if it's his will, he will heal you. I said, could I pray for you like that? 
pray in faith that God would touch you right now. It's like, sure, we're in a kind of a mixed culture with many different religions, actually. And so this guy, I was going to say the translator's name, which probably wouldn't be good. I took this translator and I, we put our hand on this guy's shoulder. And we just prayed a really simple prayer, like, Jesus, like, restore this man's arm. Just heal him right now in your name. Show him how much you love him. Amen. And he was like, this is, a, you know, an Asian area. So he's like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. They're just very, very gracious people. And I said, oh, but we're not done yet. I said, no, I want to see, it. can you lift your arm? So he was like, so he was like ready for it to hurt. And he, was, he went like this. And then he looked at us and was like, what just happened? I mean, God is doing new things. He is working through just ordinary people like you and me, and he is fulfilling his promises to be a light to the nations. He's giving, in Muslim areas, dreams and visions of these men in white, this man in white. And then when we stumble upon them, it was almost customary on our teams to ask, hey, have you had a dream about a man in white? And they go, yes, I have. Who is this guy? And we heard story after story of people on our team who were able to share about Jesus. But well to say that God has a purpose for us to win the city, and not just win the city, but like what Ben just said, to win the nations of the world. Right here in Matthew 24, 14, Jesus said to this, And this gospel, the good news of the kingdom, will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So this broad statement of what, what God's intent is, that everyone get a chance to hear, every man, woman, and child gets to hear on this planet the clear gospel presentation like you have and have an actual opportunity to step into trusting him as their Savior and receiving what we have and have experienced, this love that has so changed us, that brings you here today. But how do we do that? How do all hear? Well, Jesus gave us the key, and it's in Matthew 24, I mean 28, a little bit later. And so this is called the Great Commission. I think, Ben, you probably shared this with them sometimes. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard this. So it says, all authority. So here's Jesus, right? He's risen from the dead, and he comes to his men, and he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. All authority. Do you realize there's no closed nations? There's no closed doors to God? That doesn't mean when we go that we won't maybe endure some persecution or that we might not come back. But there's nothing close to God. He's given, he has all authority. Jesus has all authority to send us wherever we are called to go. And he says, after that, all authority has been given to me. So go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey Everything I've called you to, everything I've commanded you, side note, this is one of those commands, to go and make disciples of all the nation. And then he gives us this amazing promise at the end, which we take and make our own, which is so true. It is a truism. And surely I will be with you always. Jesus is always with us, right? He's dwelling in our hearts through faith. But I think in this occasion when Jesus was saying that, that he was making a special promise to these men. Because as they would go and give their life and step into places and things that they didn't know that would be very dangerous, he was reassuring them. In moments like this, when you step out like this and do what seems just, no, I don't want to do it, but I'm going to follow you because I'm going to trust you, Jesus. He will, he will come in with that, I'm with you. Don't be afraid. 
He said, when you stand before rulers, don't worry about what you're going to say. I will give you those words. So his promise is, as we step out in faith, he meets us in those moments. And he takes us to those places where if we're willing to go, we will have the most God moments of a lifetime to experience with him. Missiologists say there's about 7,000 unreached people groups in the world. An unreached people group is a group where they have never, ever even heard the name of Jesus, much less his message. So last summer, we had adopted the same area of Southeast Asia. So two summers ago, we went to a different island, and we were reaching out to this university. And we met these university students, and one of them I just ended up talking to through a translator. And he was Buddhist background, and so he was telling me all about his worldview and karma and what happens. And it was kind of talking very oppressively, like, yeah, if you don't do enough good things, I mean, bad things happen to you. And, you know, just talked about the cycle of life and all that. And so after he's done talking, I'm like, can I share with you about my worldview? He's like, sure. I mean, he's a, he's a college student in his 20s studying at the major university there in that city. And so I said, well, can I tell you about my Jesus? And he kind of like cocks his head and goes, who's Jesus? And I was like, this is like surreal to be in a country where they're studying, you know, and and a major university, and they have access to internet and the world, but yet they still had never heard about Jesus. Well, you don't have to join us and spend like $4,000 to go on a mission trip somewhere overseas, far, far away, 30 to 40 hour plane flight, because the good news is that God has done something special in this season of our history. America has the third largest number of unreached people groups represented in the world. The third largest. That means God has brought the nations to us. And if we could reach them and show them this Jesus love and that they would accept him, they could easily go back to their country. They, they speak the language already. They know the culture. They might even have contacts. So the power of what could happen to the gospel if we would win the city To see no place left in our city where a person hasn't heard the gospel could literally change the face of our earth with people going back and sharing. But let's just take win the city. Let's take the idea of no place left in our city where people haven't heard and apply it just to our city, just to San Antonio. In San Antonio, there's 2.1 million people. That's what demographers say. There's 2.1 million people. And then Christians have come underneath that, and they've said, well, of those 2.1 million, there's 83% are lost. Now, I know that sounds like a crazy number, but let me just explain what that number means. It doesn't mean they don't have some religious tradition, maybe they grew up in, or a religious affiliation, or even some place that they're even going that they call church. But what it means, the 83%, is they've never encountered the love and the forgiveness of Christ and stepped into what you and I have stepped into, this new relationship where we've been changed. We're a new creation, and we're walking, and we're listening, and we're obeying Jesus. So if you take that number, 83, and you multiply it by the 2.1, that means there's 1.7 million people. Just let that sit for a second. 1.7 million people right here in our city who have never heard a clear gospel and had a chance to really decide yes or no. 1.7 million people, that's a huge number. Put your hand on your heart for me for a second. And if it was quiet enough, or maybe you can even hear mine from here, because I'm nervous, you can hear your heart beating or feel your heart beating. 
Well, let's, in sanctified imagination, put your heart on the chest of God the Son who came to this earth. And you can hear it beating too. But at one point, it went from this to this. It stopped. It stopped. He came and his heart was stopped for not just you, but for 1.7 million people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish. 1.7 million people if a catastrophic event hits San Antonio right now. God forbid. 1.7 million people would go into a lost eternity. And so if we look at this equation, you have 1.7 million people over here, and you have the heart of God over here. He doesn't want anyone to be lost. What's in the middle? What's in the middle? What's in the middle is you and me. What's in the middle is you and me. What's in the middle is you and me. We've been called. We've been changed. We've encountered this love of God that has forever marked us. And like Paul, we want to be ones who feel compelled. Paul said he got struck by by the light on the Damascus Road, and he met this Jesus. And he was trying to kill and persecute all the Christians, but then he met this Jesus, and he was radically changed. So much so that he writes in Corinthians, I am compelled to give the gospel to people because he knew the truth. And he had seen into a spiritual realm that we can't even see. And he had recognized that Jesus was the righteous judge to come. And like Hebrews said, there's, there's a point a man wants to die and then the judgment. And Paul knew the reality that was facing people. And so he couldn't just walk by people anymore and just say, I'm good. I've got Jesus now. No, he felt compelled and called by God to a mission. And that's what Jesus wants us to feel because that commission is a co-mission. You and me, God wanting to partner with us to take us to places and to meet people that don't know him. Like we are like out of the salt shaker. You know how like when you pour salt out of the salt shaker, it kind of bounces all over your plate? Well, you think you picked where you lived in San Antonio? You did. You think you, you got that job because like your resume and everything? Well, you did, but you didn't. God has put us in all these different places to be a light. And when we feel compelled by the love of Christ to be the light, things happen. People meet Jesus. I wish I could tell you some more stories of just our discipleship school. And these are just everyday work people who are learning how to follow Jesus in obedience. Obedience-based discipleship. And there are being lights in their workplaces. There are being lights in their neighborhoods. And people are coming and encountering Christ. People are coming to faith in Christ because they are stepping out. Even with their insecurities, even with their doubts, and with, even with their fears, they're going, Jesus, I'm trusting you in this minute. I'm going to come here. I'm going to, I'm going to go there. And I'm going to be you. I'm going to be your hands and feet because I have experienced this love that's undeniable. It's undeniable what's happened in my life, and I can't keep it secret. But nonetheless, it's scary. Jesus said in, in Luke 10, 2, the harvest, so let's replace that, the lostness of our city. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Did you hear that? The harvest, there are lost people all over that he has set up for us to step into and have these moments, these God moments of being to share our life and our hope with another person. But what's, what's lacking are the workers. And he says, so pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send out workers into his lost field. And as you pray that, 
as you pray and intercede for that, God's going to come tap on your shoulder and say, guess what? I want you to be one of those. Because you know all these people that are far from me, and you're with me, and I want you to go to be with them so that they can be with me. You are those workers. God has changed us, right? He has given us his spirit. He's given us his mind. Christ says he lives through us by faith. And we have exactly what Paul had. We have everything that Paul had. As crazy as that sounds, it's true, right? Paul said, it's not me who live. It's not me doing this stuff. It's Jesus working through me. He's living his life through me. That's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to live his life through you. And what is, what is his life like? What does it taste like? What does it look like? It looks like love, right? He gave us it in, in, in like this cryptic code, love God and love others. And that is my will for your life. We can't just stop with loving God, but it has to overflow. And we have to begin to, to love others because that's part of our calling. That's part of our calling. Do you realize that he has qualified you? For this mission. He wants this mission to become your mandate too. This great commission to co-labor with you. He wants it to become a mandate in your life. And Jesus used those words that we kind of brussel against, right? He said, all authority in heaven and earth, we like that part has been given to me. And then he says, therefore, oh, go. Right? But he doesn't say it with the way that we hear it. We can hear it through all different filters of the brokenness of our life. He doesn't say, go, come on, go, come on, get off your keister and go. He doesn't say it like that. He says it like a loving Heavenly Father. Remember, that's what Jesus did. One of Jesus' greatest contributions when he came to this planet is he redefined who God was. He wasn't like the mythological gods that's ready to throw a lightning bolt at you and just like, yeah, you screwed up, oh, you messed up, boom, this is what you get. No, he redefined God and said, if you want to know who God is, if you want the best picture of who he is, he is a father who has a father's love. How many fathers are in this room? How many moms are in this room? Wouldn't you, if you saw your kids in peril, about to fall off a cliff, wouldn't you do whatever it would take, even if you gave up your life to rescue your kids? I am sure you would. Because <laughs> In our brokenness, we still feel that type of parental love. And that's the same love that God has for us. And so he gives us this mandate because he knows. He knows that it's actually good for us. He knows that if we don't take it seriously, that we're going to miss out. And I think he gave, us a man, he gave it as a mandate because left to ourselves, we'd opt out of it all the time because it's kind of scary. You're going to hear a testimony from Brian in a few minutes about that. It's kind of uncomfortable. But I tell you, it is the place where you will find life like you never imagined it could be. Because your life here on this planet is more than finding the love of your life. It's more than finding that great career. It's, it's more than finding that great job. God's so good to give us all that, but he left us here for purposes that connect to destinies of other people. The world gives us and sells us Empty dreams, but God gives us dreams that touch eternity and touch our hearts where we feel connected to something so big and so grand we get kind of overwhelmed that we even get to be included in it. But he's a father who wants to take us to work all the time. 
his work in this world because he's already out there working. Uh, a few years ago, Kirk had this great idea to take the staff, and we were going to do team building. So we went to T-Bar M, and we did these ropes courses. I was like, do you see me? I don't like ropes courses. Too high. So this one was, we had this guy who was like the chief, and he put this harness on us, and we were supposed to climb a 30-foot pole and then stand on something that was about this big. So here's me, and there's nothing to hold on to. You climb this pole, and you get to the top, and you have to, like, put your foot on. I am like, I mean, you do have a rope, but still, you feel terrorized because it's not taut. It's not tight. It's just like you're there. So I, I get up on this thing, and I'm, like, going like this, and he says, okay, what I want, he's down there. He's like, what I want you to do is listen to me. I'm like, okay. He says, I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I want you to jump. Don't look down. Don't think. Just go. I'm like, okay, so I did look down. It was not good. I looked back up. And then out there in the middle of the air, 15 feet out, was a bar. And so what we were supposed to do is jump out in midair and, and grab this bar. So he goes, one, two, three, jump. So I jump. I missed. And there, <laughs> there were two people on our team that were very athletic that got it. And Kirk was one, have to admit, yeah, of course. So he made it. And, of course, the rope, you know, you're, you're falling, you're like, ah, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's holding it, and I'm like, I'm glad you're a stout person, and you're weighty, because I'm weighty, and he, he like, lets me, lets me down. Afterward, I thought, you know what? I would never do this. I would never do this in my life if you said, go do this. But because it was arranged that we had to do it, and he said, jump, I jumped. And I tell you, now on the other side, I wouldn't have wanted to miss it. Because it was one of the most exciting moments to just be like, I love Superman. We're kind of like Superman crazy people in our family. We have our kids dressed in all these Superman costumes and they're in different ages. So I've always dreamed of flying. So it was like, oh, only lasted for two seconds and then gravity took over. But, but jumping out there, I wouldn't have wanted to miss it because it was one of the most exciting and exhilarating moments of life. That's what this is like. God has these faith moments for you to step out into what looks like nothing. And he'll meet you there and do what seems crazy and be a part of using you to do the crazier and see destinies changed. And so Brian and I were talking yesterday. So Brian, come on up. And we were, I was talking to him about my sermon, and uh, he was telling me a story about what happened. I'm like, oh, man, dude, you got to come up here and share that because it's like perfect illustration. Yeah, so uh, the story that I wanted to share that he's talking about yesterday was in the morning, uh, yesterday morning, we had a training, awesome training, and then we went out in teams of three um, out to different neighborhoods and apartment complexes. And the neighborhood that my team went to, um, we went knocking on doors, door to door, and then some people answered, some people didn't, you know, get good replies, bad replies, whatever. So one of the doors we didn't answer, it was a cul-de-sac, and we went down and we're coming back around. And now there was three guys in the front yard uh, raking leaves. So we're like, okay, awesome, God, you brought him outside. So uh, Emily, just being led by the Spirit, just jumps on and she just goes, and we follow her, and uh, she engages them, talks to them, and uh, they had a prayer request. So they just started a family business. So we prayed for them over their family business, and then part of the training was also uh, to tell your testimony in 15 seconds. So she tells her testimony and shares, and they're just being moved. And then another part of the training is when they're being moved to show them the gospel. Uh, so it's called the bridge, and you show them how sin separates from God and how Christ uh, on the cross brought uh, the bridge so that we can get back to God. So this father and his sons are there hearing all of this, and then uh, she asks them, like, hey, 
where are you? Do you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And that morning, that day, yesterday, uh, raking leaves in their front yard, the dad and the two sons accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord wow. and Savior yesterday. That was amazing. Um, but the other part of that was I almost wasn't there. I didn't sign up for this thing until the last moment because fear was holding me back. Like, knocking on doors is not the easiest thing in the world to do. But through the training and God yesterday, it was just amazing. What I found is as I was doing this, the fear that I had when I was walking up to the door to knock was replaced by hope. Like, I was hoping that someone, the person on the other side would answer the door so that Jesus could encounter them and meet them and that their lives could be changed. So like Sean is talking about just jumping and in diving in, I encourage you, if fear was holding you back from signing up or just even sharing with anybody, take the leap, jump. Like, Jesus has your rope and he will see you through. Amen. Thank you. Give it up for Brian. Yeah. So even in taking that step, when we still look at that 1.7 million people were going, like, how, how can this happen? I wonder if there's a time in history where God took just a few of us and did something so monumental as, like, reach 1.7 million people. And, of course, that was a setup question. Yes, he's already done it. That's the encouraging point. And he can do it again. Let me take you to a story in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 19, 8 to 10. This is a story of Paul going to Ephesus, Asia Minor, a region probably up to 8, 15 million people living there. And this is what happened. Paul goes to the synagogue. We'll pick it up at 8. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months. So he's there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. That was his custom, right? He went to the synagogue. He said, we have found the Messiah, we have found the Messiah, the Christ. And he would declare it to him, and oftentimes what would happen is what happens here. It says he, he was persuasive, but some became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned. They dissed Jesus, they dissed what he was preaching, and they just like scorned him. And so Paul leaves, it says. He took the disciples, so there were believers that were emerging in, this, in the synagogue, he took him with him and had daily discussions in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. So he rents this place, a Roman place, and he starts having trainings. And he starts teaching them exactly what we did yesterday, how to share your faith, the story, the gospel, and all that. And it says, this went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. How many people were in the province of Asia? up to 15 million people. And how long did it take him to do that? How long? Two years. That was thousands of years ago when there was no printing press, mass media, TV, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, email, Zoom calls, Skype, Marco Polo, FaceTime, Snapchat. None of that. And in two years, 15 million people. How encouraging to us. We only have 1.7. Come on, God's given us a softball. This is like easy. We can do this right here, right now, Ben. Come on, let's go. So, what happened? God took a handful of faithful followers who were fruitful, and he changed an entire region. Not just a city, an entire region. Imagine what God could do to win our city. If we became those faithful followers who took God at his word and obeyed and did what he asked us to do, knowing that he would be with us always because his mission is supposed to be our mandate. His mission is supposed to lead us and guide us 
and focus us on what's the most important, right? Paul said, it's not what you see that really matters. What's going to really matter, what's going to really last is what you can't see. And what you can't see in the lives of people is that they are created in the image of God and they have a spirit that will live forever in one of two places. And God loved them so much that he came so that they would live with him. And so he needs us to go so that they can find him. And he's prepared us. He's equipped us. He's filled you with his spirit. And you still might be thinking, well, come on, can this really happen in our day? It happened 2,000 years ago. Well, I just want to tell you, it's already happening around the world. They are documenting seven, I mean, 900 movements on the scale of what happened in, in, in Ephesus around the world. In one place in India, over 10 million people have come to Christ in the last 15 years. 10 million people. That's the total population of the country of Greece. How? This one guy, Victor, was taught by a missionary how to do disciple-making discipleship, where I disciple you, you disciple somebody else, and then they disciple somebody else, where you're discipling somebody else, and all of a sudden you have this multiplication effect, and after that, 10 million people have been baptized, tens of thousands of churches have been planted, and the movement just continues. It was actually kept a secret because they didn't want the West to mess with it. The book documenting the whole thing just came out this summer. It's called The Pajori Movement people movement. It was crazy. So can God do it? Yes. He's doing it in China. He's doing it in Africa. He's doing it in Asia. He's doing something new in our midst. In Habakkuk 1.5, Habakkuk says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. We truly are utterly amazed of what is happening that we can even hear about today. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. My wife and I served in Greece for over 15 years. We probably saw maybe two or three people ever put their faith in Christ. It was like knocking your head against the wall. If you had told us 20 years later we would see these types of things happening in the world, I would not have believed it. I would not have believed it, but it is happening. It is happening, and God wants us to be a part of it because what's happening there can happen here. And my point is on all that is that you matter in this moment in history. We always say, oh, I wish I was in the first century. I could have walked with Jesus and heard Jesus. I can tell you the saints in heaven are saying, I wish I was here with you. I wish I could have seen millions of people turn to my Jesus and trust him and, and become part of his family. I would long to see that. And who gets to see it is you and me. We get to see it. We get to be a part of it. So I want you to take two steps today. One step is will you pray and never give up for winning the city? Will you pray and never give up? Just like the widow in Luke 18, the persistent widow, she kept praying, and Jesus said, pray and don't ever give up. Number two, the other step I want you to make is will you listen to the Spirit of God in you? Right? In, Roman, in Revelations uh, 1 and 2 and 3, we see Jesus walking amongst the churches, and he's speaking to the church, warning them, exhorting them, loving them. And he's still speaking to us today if we'll take time to hear. Will you listen to the Spirit inside of you tell you that this commission is for you too? I want to end with a, one more story from yesterday. We're going to have Kristen 
and Claire come up. Woohoo! So this woman has been like dreading doing our discipleship school for like two years. She kept chickening out. She hates being on the stage. She's doing this as an extreme favor for me, but God is like blessing you and giving you grace for this moment. So tell them what happened yesterday because it was so cool. Yeah, so yesterday my daughter and I went out and we knocked on a door and right away um, the fear of man, which has always been a thing for me that I've really struggled with for a long time, it crept in immediately and, um, you know, just got that weird feeling going up like, oh, this is just going to be so odd. And <laughs> um, God just in that moment just said, don't be afraid. I've already prepared his heart. Um, and it just it just settled in like there was just peace about it. So I walk up with my daughter, knock on his door and he shows up and he's on the phone. And he immediately gets off the phone and seems very happy that we're there. So he invites us in. And so we sit down on his carpet in his living room around his coffee table. And he starts to tell us how his, um, his mom is having health issues, his brother's in jail. So he's just brokenhearted, like just really desperate and ready for some help. And he said, you wouldn't believe, but I was praying this morning to God. I, you know, I just told him, you've, you've got to do something. You have wow. to change something in my life. And here you are. You know, and we just kind of looked at each other like, wow, we get to be a part of this. And so, um, you know, we're just praying with him. We're walking him through the bridge. We're just, and he's just hungry. He received every bit of encouragement that we had, um, which was, of course, strictly from the Lord and very personal for him, and just received it. And so it was like all that fear just melted away because we saw that God had already gone before us. And so I would just say to any of you, don't let the fear of man steal from you what, what God wants you to be a part of. And we talked about this in discipleship school, that there's like 10 seconds that you go up before you knock on the door where you're, it's like sheer terror and discomfort and you just feel so awkward. And as soon as God steps in, everything changes. Yeah, so stay in that moment of tension knowing that God has something special for you and for that person as well. And so he did accept Christ and um, just was so happy. Um, he ended up texting me last night and said, thanks for coming and loving on me. And so, and that's what God kept telling me. It's, it's your job to go and love on people. It's not your job to say everything perfectly or to have a certain, you know, introvert or extrovert, that kind of thing, which, you know, gets in my head, like, you, you can't do this. It's not for you, but it, it is for you, no matter what your personality. Amen. Amen. And the guy, and as Claire got to share, too, and the guy says to Claire, you're on fire. <laughs> so even though she didn't get to speak, she is on fire. So I hope you hear that there are these destiny-defining moments for you that God has for you. And it's in this gospel thing called the Great Commission. It's in the going that's kind of, you know, stressful. But there's actually a way not to have totally weirdly ridiculous conversations with normal people. And that's what they haven't even gotten yet. The end of our seminar is to show you this is a training environment when we go out like we're doing. But in everyday life, there's other, other strategies we use that make it so much more normal. And so it's not about the door-to-door, -door, don't hear the wrong thing, but it is about in those moments, wherever you are, to step up. So I just want to give God one minute to speak to you, less than that, just a few seconds to speak to you. So if you close your eyes, God only needs one second to say one word that can change your life. So right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak a word over each and every one of these people that have heard your scripture, have heard your call. You've qualified them. You've shed your blood for them. You've risen from the dead for them so that they could be with you on this mission.
you speak life and hope and include them in this? And would they just, whatever you say to them, would they just say yes? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Holy Spirit, we just thank you. We pray that you would seal these words, seal these moments, which you spoke to our hearts, which you're revealing to our mind this morning. Lord Jesus, I just pray that it would be something that stamps us, something that marks us. I pray that today would be a marking moment in our life. God, that we would realize that you're calling us into something and somewhere. And Lord Jesus, just as Sean spoke, just that grain of salt that ends up wherever it is on the table. Lord Jesus, I pray, God, that you would remind us where where you are planted, and Lord, let us shine. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.